This is the Modern Stoicism Podcast. I'm your host, Adam. Today on the podcast, I'll be speaking with Ben Aldridge. Ben is a teacher and is the author of the new book, How to Be Comfortable with Being Uncomfortable, 43 Weird and Wonderful Ways to Build a Strong, Resilient Mindset. Stay tuned after the podcast for a special announcement. Well, Ben, thank you for being on the podcast with us today. Hi, Adam. Thank you so much for having me on. Great to speak to you. So, Ben, you wrote an article for the Stoicism Today blog called Stoicism and Overcoming Anxiety. Um, And you've also written a book um, called How to Be Comfortable with Being Uncomfortable. So why don't we start there, but we sort of take a step back and go into uh, the podcast with the question, how did those uh, topics come about? How did your book and your article come about? Yeah, so the book the book has just come out at the start of the summer. So all of this was really off the back of anxiety. That's been the, the main reason for me to write this book in the first place. And ultimately to find stoicism, which really made a huge change in my life. So several years ago, I was hit with terrible anxiety and I started having panic attacks and at the time I didn't know what a panic attack was so I honestly felt like I was dying it was a very intense and terrifying experience and I think the fear of the unknown is what makes it even worse when you don't know what you're facing when you don't know what you're dealing with it can just become unbearable so anyway this is what happened to me and there was no real root cause no real reason as such there wasn't like a an event that happened and then suddenly I started experiencing all of this anxiety. This kind of crept up and then suddenly all of these panic attacks started happening. So to deal with this, I went to the doctor who instantly recognized it as anxiety. And then I began reading extensively. And this was really what changed everything. The doctor gave me a couple of options, but to be honest, I was quite stubborn. And I wanted to try and understand the situation better so that I could make a a clear decision on how to deal with it. And that's where the reading came in. So I started reading extensively on all these different topics, mental health, psychology, philosophy, everything. And this is actually where I encountered stoicism. And the idea that really jumped out, and there were loads of ideas that I fell in love with um, within stoicism, but the idea that really jumped out was the idea of practicing adversity, like voluntary discomfort. And for some reason, it just connected to me. So I started to emulate this and I began to push myself out of my comfort zone like the Stoics used to do. And I created all of these challenges and slowly over time, I began completing them. And each time I completed a little challenge, I got a boost in confidence and I learned how to deal with a little bit of adversity and a little bit of difficulty. And over time, this compounded and it helped me to understand more about who I am and how I respond to difficulty. And this just completely changed my relationship with my anxiety. And I stopped having these panic attacks. I understand, like I learned how to deal with anxiety when it was really bad. So this was a very, very important shift in everything. And all of this came off the back of anxiety. And then I ended up writing a book about it and it's out in the world now. It's very exciting um, for me to get feedback from readers and to uh, to carry on this journey now. So you mentioned that your journey took you towards stoicism and 
um, through Stoicism, you discovered this idea of voluntary discomfort. So why don't we take a little bit of time and talk about what that means? What did the Stoics say about it? Um, who are you referencing? Uh, many of our readers will want to find a reference point that they could look up a, a writing of some kind, for example. So where wh- where in Stoicism does this idea sort of start to take form? and Or, or where did you find it as you were journeying into Stoicism? So this is one of the uh, the core concepts of Stoicism, the idea of deliberately stepping outside of your comfort zone to build resilience. And it talks about a lot. There's this Musonius Rufus quote that uh, I don't have to have, but it talks about how if we expose ourselves to the heat, the cold, if we sleep on hard surfaces, if we endure hard physical activity, and we do all of these things, maybe fasting from food and water, then this will allow us to become more resilient human beings and i love this idea it's very creative the stoics there's uh, hugging naked statues well they, they would get naked and hug statues in winter and they would roll around in the hot sand and all of these different fascinating things that they used to do to practice uh being uncomfortable so that really caught my imagination and i, I yeah as i said i fell in love with it started to play around with it and um yeah really had a lot of fun creating my own challenges. Some of them were directly taken from the Stoics, like the cold exposure and sleeping on hard surfaces and fasting. But then I just created challenges that were very personal to me and began to seek out ways that I could deliberately push myself out of my comfort zone. So that's where the creative side of it came in. But all of this was a platform really to understand how to deal with uh, challenge and how to deal with difficulties. So I think it's uh, it's fascinating to to see how the Stoics did that as well and how they they came up with this really cool idea. So focusing on the challenges, um, your book, uh, How to Be Comfortable with Being Uncomfortable, it, it definitely speaks to um, these challenges as a core concept. So let's talk about the challenges then. What um, what kinds of challenges are these and um, how do you suggest people integrate them into your life? Yeah, so uh, before we before we get into that, it might be worth saying that when I began this journey, I did have to start off with baby steps because, as I said, I was in such an anxious space. So it began with walking to the bench in my local park, which doesn't seem like a particularly challenging thing to do, but um, I really was in such a bad space. But over time, doing these little things and then catching the bus. And then over time, that just gave me confidence. And then it got into these challenges. So in the book, the challenges you're going to read are the more um, diverse and more interesting ones. Um, but it did start with baby steps for me. So that's worth noting. And the challenges are divided into three different categories. So I talk about physical challenges. Um, I talk about mental challenges. And then I talk about skill-based challenges. And All of these are designed to push ourselves out of our comfort zones in different ways. Now, we're all different, so some people might find some of the challenges way too easy. Um, So I've included ways to make them harder. And it's going to be different for everyone. So it's it's why the challenges are so varied. But these are the things that I did that really helped me. So to give you a few examples, with the um, physical ones, things like running a race, Um, I ran my first marathon, which taught me so much um, about dealing with discomfort and overcoming difficulty. Um, I got into a lot of climbing and mountaineering and things like completing obstacle course races and other physical challenges in the gym, all of these different things. And the mental category, 
is more about dealing with discomfort. So things like cold exposure, exactly like the Stoics used to do, things like fasting. I got into meditating because that was very interesting to see what my mind was doing and explore a little bit of that. And then just generally kind of seeking out things that would make me uncomfortable. So I've got a problem with needles. So I deliberately went and had acupuncture, which is something that is very counterintuitive to do that. But actually that was a really interesting experiencing, a really interesting experience doing that. I learned so much about it. And again, like leaning on all of the philosophical ideas and the things that I've been studying helped me to, to get through that experience. And there's many more things like that in the mental category. The skill category is different as well. This is all about um, pushing yourself out of your academic comfort zone. So I started doing things like learning how to solve a Rubik's cube in under a minute. I learned, started to learn Japanese and learned how to pick locks. And well, that's a slightly unusual one, but uh, fold origami and loads of different skills like this. And each time I did something different and each time I pushed myself in a different way out of my comfort zone, I learned so much about who I was and how I handled adversity and just different challenges. So this, yeah, this made a massive difference to everything, everything in my life. So the challenges are all very goal oriented, it feels like. Is that how you would... Is that is that what you would say? Because there's certainly um, going through them, it, there's certainly a a, um, a limit to the challenges as originally described, and then you describe this way of making the challenges harder for yourself. So, so do you see um, that goal oriented sort of way of planning for the challenges a great way for people to set a waypoint for themselves as they go through this journey? Yeah, absolutely. I think having goals like this that are clear. Um, clear kind of finish line can make it really easy to work towards. You know that you've got a challenge and it will be finished by whatever date or however long it's going to take. Now, it is also worth noting that some of the challenges are kind of ongoing. So although you could do it as a one-off, it's, it's more of a lifestyle change as well. Something like meditation, you could do it as a single challenge. You could like try meditating for half an hour and that would be very difficult if you've never done it before. And that in itself is a little challenge and maybe push it will push you out of your comfort zone in a like, unique way for you. But if you want to commit it to part of your life as an ongoing goal and an ongoing practice, that in itself is a very different type of challenge. And I think both of them work well, having the kind of challenges that are short and sharp and that you can do quite quickly and other ones that become more of a practice and an ongoing thing. But these are, these are things that resonated with me. And of course, another aspect of the book is I encourage readers to create their own challenges based on things that they would find interesting to do and also things that they would uh, find difficult. I love the idea, I came up with this idea called the anti-bucket list. We all know what the bucket list is, right? It's the things you want to do before you die. And actually a lot of the challenges in my book are based on things. Like I've always wanted to learn Japanese. Um, so finally pushing myself to do this was uh, was one of those, an example of a bucket list challenge. And I mean, there's loads of things that we want to do, and that many people will be able to create different challenges based on the things that they're interested in. But the anti-bucket list is the opposite of that. It's creating a list of things you don't want to do before you die. And it's very easy for us to avoid um, doing them. So as adults, it's very, very easy for us to not do things that scare us. 
And I think the acupuncture example is the perfect example of an anti-bucket list challenge for me. So I put that, uh, yeah, I decided that I had a huge problem with needles. So I would deliberately go out and expose myself to that discomfort to practice, um, to practice that discomfort and to, again, try and apply all of the things that I'd been studying right at the start. How do I deal with being scared? How do I deal with being uncomfortable? So going out and finding these things on the anti-bucket list has been really interesting. And that's a part of the project that has really connected to a lot of people. I love getting messages from readers about different things on their anti-bucket list because everyone is so different. People have fears of deep water, of heights, and there's so many different things that they can do. Uh, they can play around with this. And it's like a huge element of this is play and exploring how you respond to um, self-imposed adversity. So I'd like to get your take on voluntary discomfort then if we focus specifically on that concept, which is, and so, uh, you know, specifically voluntary discomfort is that I'm going to choose to put myself through something. Um, and then that is going to help me deal with overcoming the hurdle that I will face in the future. Uh, so, but I guess the question I would love to get your opinion on is why, why do you think voluntary discomfort is such a it's such an effective tool. Do you think that it's because it teaches people um, that they can do it the first time so that when they face discomfort later, it's easier? Or do you think that it's it, it allows them to set up a mental sort of bulwark within themselves to say, I can, I, I, I can think I can do something and therefore I can do it? Um, why do you think voluntary discomfort is so effective? I think both of the, the reasons you've just given there are perfect. I think it gives you a huge boost in confidence when you can see that you can deal with a difficult situation. The other thing that's so important about like pushing yourself a little bit is that you learn how you respond to being in a difficult situation. And it's the idea that you prepare for adversity by practicing adversity. If you're in a tough situation that's self-imposed, it's a relatively controlled environment you can test out all these different things and you can kind of play around with what works and finding what works when things are difficult, it has so much value because when life throws the inevitable curveball and you have to deal with something a little bit challenging that you weren't expecting, having some kind of system in place that you know has worked in the past is so useful. And that's, that's what's helped me essentially with my anxiety, learning how to deal with uh, difficult things has really mapped directly onto how I respond to anxiety or when I'm starting to feel anxious or what I would do if I get into a panicky state. I know that I've, A, I've overcome a lot of difficult situations in the past. So that's great for confidence. And I can look back at those things. And also B, I know that there's loads of tools that have worked and that I've actively tested out in some scary situations. So I know that I can rely on them. And that's the thing, you're building trust in yourself. So once the voluntary discomfort is performed, once you make that choice and you take that challenge on, um, what happens when the challenge is done? Because in the stoic world, we very much work ourselves towards the idea of reflection. Um, Marcus Aurelius reflected every day on what he had done, what he wishes to do and what he hopes to do in the future. Um, and this point of reflection is very key to them. Um, do you suggest to your readers that they reflect after a challenge is completed to, you know, really reinforce the, uh, the, what they've learned from the discomfort in their minds? 
Yeah, I think so. And in, in my book, there's each challenge is set out in a certain way. I describe what the challenge is, how to do it, how it could be made harder if it seemed quite easy for you and all of the technical side of things. There's a bit of research in there. But then the main part is really my experience in, of the challenge and also uh, what I learned from it. So these are um, a way of reflecting on each challenge and really focusing on what it taught me. So everything that happened to me during this uh, project every challenge that I completed is a way for me to self-reflect. So that's exactly what you're saying. And I, when I encourage readers to A, complete their own challenges, um, maybe from the book or write their own, um, I, I encourage them to write a journal to look back um, on the challenge. And you can do that in a, um, like what you learned from the situation or from a, um, what your experience was like. So there's a little, um, I've put a little template in the book, which just basically helps people to see the thought process of how you would analyze um, an experience, whether it's particularly difficult, whether it's easy. And then you can also think about what tools helped you when you were facing that difficulty. So it's, yeah, self-reflection is such an important part of it. Now, as uh, you and I are speaking, today is actually uh, day one of Stoic Week 2020, which uh, is a week in the modern Stoicism calendar where um, for the week, everyone's given Stoic challenges to do every day, and uh, then uh, they can provide feedback and rank uh, those activities um, within the week and, and, and actually give modern Stoicism quantifiable results about um, how their challenge is going. Um, so I guess one question that I get from a lot of people when they do these challenges is how did they, they always ask me, how did you keep going? Because I've been, I've been under, I've been most practicing stoic. I would call it for five years. I've been a practicing meditator for more than that. Um, meditator is probably not the right word. I sound like a robot, but it's fine. But, um, uh, I guess the question I really love to ask you because you've done a lot of these challenges and there's there, and you have done so many, um, what happens if you stumble? What happens? How do you get past a stumbling block or a roadblock as you're trying to do the challenge, let alone let alone after you do the challenge and feel that, you know, rush of endorphins? How do you how do you suggest people deal with um, the challenges that happen mid mid discomfort? Yeah, that's a great question. I think really it's looking for the what's the reason for you completing them in the first place? Uh, the reason to complete challenges is you're learning lessons and it's teaching you valuable things about yourself. So as long as you're learning a lesson, ultimately how you're doing with the challenge itself doesn't matter. As long as it's teaching you something, you could breeze through a challenge uh, and you might not learn anything. Well, you're going to learn something, obviously, but you're not, not in the same way. The challenges that you struggle with, the times that it's really difficult, that's often where the most valuable lessons lie. So I think having that objectivity and always looking for those lessons is going to give everything that you experience value. Uh, and that's, that's been one of the key take-homes from this whole project for me. So every time something goes wrong, I try and get into the habit of looking for the lesson. And as long as I'm looking for the lesson, then ultimately the outcome doesn't really matter. So I can fail and it's okay because as long as I'm looking for some kind of lesson, what is it teaching me? And it's not a failure. So I think that's been that's been something that's really helped me. And I think that's probably the most important thing to hold on to when you're facing a real challenge that is just 
relentless and you're really really struggling i think often those experiences you can have the most amount of growth off the back of them so you you use the word failure there which is a a very important word i think to use because when you put yourself out towards completing a challenge like those that you've suggested there's always the chance of failure and many stoics use something called the reverse clause which is where they say fate permitting or you know should there be no changes in the situation um i will do such and such at such a time and failure is very important and it sounded like you were saying that you take you you take failure as the lesson you can take that and turn that around is that is that a correct interpretation yeah 100% i think if you fail you can learn so much and failing at things i think we all have to fail at things failing doesn't make you a failure it's just part of the learning process and i think that's uh, that's extremely important to hold on to and that's something that you know i didn't initially believe that or understand that but only through doing these challenges and coming up against brick walls and coming up against massive hurdles have i learned to really look for that lesson there's always going to be a lesson hiding there somewhere so yeah that's it's been really profound learning about failure i think it's an important subject and it should be taught in schools really this this element and this relationship with failure um is massive and for the younger generation as well i think it's it's a, a hugely important aspect of education because we all come across problems and we all have times when we're going to fail so learning to deal with that is is really really important in my opinion yeah, I wholeheartedly agree. I've uh, I have a five and a half year old nephew, and he is learning maths. And he, uh, it's interesting. He can get quite frustrated when something goes wrong. But um, you know, I always try to point out to him that when something happens like that, it's a he can learn about it. He can he so he got he didn't remember that two times two was four, but he'll remember the next time, and he's learned from that. And I think it's quite important. So. I'd like to pivot a little bit now um, to, I guess, how would I, I guess I would say it's a little bit more of a personal question because the journey that you are on is very much reflected in many of the listeners that we have today, <clears throat> meaning that many people have experienced a hardship or a, an adversity of some kind and then found their way to a practice like stoicism. And I'm, I'm curious to ask you a question, which is, when you made the change and you went through this transition in your life, um, post challenges and after you were really beginning to feel yourself or the true self that you feel like you were supposed to be, um, what was that like when you, um, returned almost to your family and friends? Did they, um, embrace you in that? Because you were, you, it sounds like you may have been very different post challenges as you were pre challenges during the, the phases where you were beginning to sense your anxiety. So what was it like when you, um, saw your family again and, and did people say, Oh, you're really different now and things like that? Yeah, I think so. I think there has been a really dramatic change for me. Uh, but I was always quite private at the time when I started experiencing this anxiety. A lot of my friends didn't know about it. I just kind of shut it away. Um, but actually, ironically, now I speak about it all the time to so many different people. And it's just one of the key themes of my book. So I think that in itself has been a, a huge learning process. Some people, when they've read my book, they were like, oh, I didn't even realize that you were going through all of that. Because I kind of kept it to um, 
very few people but actually the the profound change was in my mind how i handled things and and actually yeah i'm completely different in in the way that i respond to things happening in my life and yeah it's been such an important change and i think it's often off the back of some kind of adversity or some kind of event that has this like catalyst effect and i think um looking back on this experience it's it's hands down been one of the best things, if not the best thing that has ever happened to me, which is kind of a strange thing to say, because at the time, I honestly wouldn't have thought that because it was it was so overwhelming and so unpleasant. But actually now I can see how amazing it has been for me and the journey um, that I'm on now and the different kind of um, path that I'm taking in my life is is so different that it's... Um, I can see how important it was for me to experience that and what it, what it has taught me. So without that, none of this would have been possible. So I have to be grateful for it. So a question that I like to ask our guests when I get the opportunity is, what is next for you um, on this journey that you're taking? Where do you think it's going to go next? So the I guess there's a combination of things. So there's more challenges that I want to personally do. But then it's balancing it because I've got so many books in my head that I want to write. So there will be more books. That's certainly something. I can't talk too much about um, exactly what that's going to look like, but I'm I'm working on um, some stuff at the moment. So I'm very excited about that. But also just challenge-wise, I've got a long list. I mean, it's an ever-growing list of different things that I want to do. So again, it's um, just looking for more challenges and ways to push myself and that will change with time naturally there's going to be things that crop up um, just in life that I'm going to have to deal with so there's that side of things and then there's also the you know I've got this bucket list that I'm just slowly working through and yeah loads there's loads of other goals um, loads of things that I'm very excited about with this project I've really enjoyed the social side of it social media side of it actually um, creating my Instagram account and actually getting loads of feedback from followers and being able to interact with people there has been great. And it's been an experience that I didn't think would be part of writing a book. Uh, I didn't, I guess I overlooked that. So actually that side of things has been really interesting. So uh, again, the social media thing that that will, that will continue to grow. So I'm excited about that as well. Well, Ben, I think uh, I think maybe we'll wrap up there, but uh, I wanted to make sure that I said thank you very much for being with us on the podcast today. Well, thank you so much for inviting me on. It's been brilliant chatting to you. I'd like to thank Ben Aldridge for being with us on the podcast this week. If you'd like to find out more about Ben's work, you can find him at his website, find him on Instagram, or find him on Twitter. Links will be provided in the show notes. Thanks for listening to the Modern Stoicism podcast this week. If you'd like to find out more, head over to modernstoicism.com where you can find articles, courses, our Patreon, and other resources. This week on the Stoicism Today blog, Greg Sadler finishes out his interview of Stoicon 2020 speakers with an interview with Christopher Gill. And now for a special announcement. Our friends at Classical Wisdom will be hosting their inaugural online symposium this weekend, October 24th and 25th. The weekend will feature a number of prominent Stoics, including Donald Robertson, James S. Rom, Massimo Piliucci, and A.A. Long. 
On Sunday, there will be a panel discussion on the power the individual has in politics, which will bring together Donald, Massimo, and A.A. Long for the very first time in one panel. Modern Stoicism fans can enjoy a 70% discount on any tickets with the code STOIC, S-T-O-I-C, all capitals. Please go to classicalwisdom.com symposium or email info at classicalwisdom.com for more details. Just remember, it is taking place this weekend, so make sure to check it out while tickets last. You've been listening to the Modern Stoicism Podcast, the official podcast of modernstoicism.com. Check out all of our episodes at modernstoicismpodcast.buzzsprout.com. And if you like this content, consider rating us or giving us a thumbs up on your podcast platform of choice. You can also find us on Patreon, where patrons get access to exclusive digital content. All music provided by bensound.com.